there's all sorts of different obstacles that you can use. There's the, obviously the jumps and the tunnels, and then there's what we call a catwalk, and most people call a dog walk, which is kind of like an elevated um, balance beam sort of thing, and it can be quite high. Join us as we chat to amazing cat explorers and experts, learn from them, listen to their war stories, celebrate their wins, and laugh at the funny moments that have been a part of their journey. Welcome to the Cat Explorer Podcast. I'm Hasara. And I'm Daniel. Today we're jumping into the wonderful world of cat agility. But before we do, we would love to say a huge thank you to our wonderful Cat Explorer producers for Season 8 of the Cat Explorer Podcast. Particularly our co-producers, Millie and Kelvin, Barbara Maverick, Ziggy and Charlie, Mac, Luna Misty Blue, Adami and Roxy the Kitty. Thank you so much. If you would like to support Cat Explorer, you can join the Cat Explorer Purse Squad or the Cat Explorer Producers. There's a link for that in your short notes, which you can get to by clicking the episode description on your podcasting app. We're always on the lookout for new ways to make our cats happy. Today, we're going to be exploring the world of cat agility. Yep, you heard that right. It's not only dogs that run through tunnels, weave through poles and jump through hoops. Cats can do it too. Linus is a cat explorer who does just that, and we're super excited to chat to his mum, Tamara, today. Welcome to the podcast, Tamara. Hello. We'd love to hear about Linus. How did he come into your life? Well, I wasn't expecting to get a new cat. <laughs> I um, I actually work, I own a business, I'm a cat groomer, and I was at a client's home, uh, and I love going to see this client because, I mean, she's a fantastic person, but she's also always fostering and so when I go there I never know who I'm going to meet because she's got baby kittens or she's got older kittens or she's got you know a pair of adult cats or whatever it's always fun to go to her house and um, anyway I was getting ready for an appointment to go to see her and she had messaged me and she said you're going to fall in love with my foster kitten and I said that's fine I fall in love with all your foster kittens it's not a big deal um, and I had seen pictures of him on her social media. And at that time, his foster name was Mr. Blue Sky, which I thought was adorable. Um, and he was so cute. Anyway, so I went there. I always allow extra time when I'm there. So I went there and I groomed her cat for her. And then um, she said, well, do you want to meet Mr. Blue Sky? And I said, well, of course. <laughs> and anyway, he came out and he was so tiny. He was about, at that point, I think he was about five weeks old. And he was just such a little guy and he had um, he had some fairly significant injuries. He had a broken spine and he also had a badly damaged tail. Uh, but he was just so happy and so friendly and so social and he just wanted to cuddle and he cuddled up into my arms and started purring and he was licking my arm. And anyway, I ended up spending about an hour just playing with him. And I was still in denial at that point and I thought, oh yeah, I'm not, you know, I don't need another cat. I'm not looking for another cat. I was thinking I would tell people about him and maybe somebody I knew would adopt him. And then I just couldn't stop thinking about him. And he was, uh, the rescue doesn't let kittens go until they're 12 weeks old. So he still had quite a bit of time before he was ready to be adopted. Uh, so I had mentioned him to my husband and, you know, told him how cute he was and showed him the pictures and stuff, but not in a let's adopt this guy kind of way. And as he got closer to being able to be adopted, it just, I couldn't stop thinking about him. And so I finally said, honey, do you want to go and meet this kitten? 
And so he went to meet him and Linus or Mr. Blue Sky at the time fell in, he just fell asleep in my hubby's arms. And that was about as much as anybody can handle. <laughs> so yeah, he came home with us. What a sweet story. And <laughs> I just love how you guys both connected with Linus or Mr. Blue Sky at the time. And he really turned the charm on, didn't he? He, oh yeah, he was so cute and just so, so outgoing and so social right from the beginning, you know, especially considering that he was so badly injured and um, you would think that a badly injured little kitten who's obviously got pain would be kind of maybe withdrawn or kind of hiding or not really wanting to be social, but he was just all about the socialness. <laughs> That's so sweet. So you've mentioned that he was injured. Do you have any um, idea about what happened to him or what his injuries were? Um, we... We don't know for sure. So all we know for sure is that he was um, he was found by a kind stranger in the middle of nowhere. Um, she found him under a pile of wood. It was quite a large pile of wood. She actually had to enlist a very strong friend of hers who happened to be a former bodybuilder <laughs> um, to come and help her move all the wood so she could get him out. Um, and it was a good thing that she did because he was they don't think he would have survived another night. He was starving. He had been eating dirt and, and grass and stuff to try to put something in his stomach. And, and he was very dehydrated. Um, but they got him out and they saved him. And when they took him to the vet uh, to be checked out, the funny thing was that they, you know, they didn't see any obvious outward injuries on him. They actually didn't realize he had a broken spine right away. And they thought it was just the tail injury that was bothering him. Um, and so the best, like, they don't think he was picked up by, like, attacked by a wolf or, or anything like that. There was nothing nearby that he would have come from, um, as far as a home or, or anything. And there was no evidence of any other cats around. So they believe that probably he was from a nearby farm. And the best guess that the vet had is that he may have been picked up by a large bird, like an eagle or a hawk, and then dropped from a height. And that's what caused his injuries. And then he just somehow managed to scurry under this pile of wood and, and get away from the, the bird. Um, there's no way to know for sure, but that's, that's kind of everybody's best guess. And, you know, he doesn't seem to be afraid of birds, which is nice. I was a little bit worried about that when we started exploring. I thought he might be a little bit shy if a large bird flew overhead or something, but he doesn't seem to be. How's his recovery been? Really good. Um, when I found out that he had a broken spine, I was shocked and I was really sad because I actually thought that he might not make it, right? And I thought if it didn't heal properly, he might have to be put down. And um, and so I talked with his foster mom about it quite a bit and, and you know, referred back to the vets and stuff like that. And, and it was really, I mean, the process was quite interesting. I have all his x-rays uh, right from the very first one. And watching the way that the body heals, the the fracture in the spine was fairly low on his back. It was kind of right above his hips. And so um, their biggest concern was that he would have issues with uh, movement of his tail and possibly issues with using the bathroom. Um, but he doesn't have any. He doesn't lift his tail as much as a normal cat does. You know how normal cats kind of prance around with their tail straight up in the air when they're really happy? He does put his up, but he doesn't keep it up for very long, and he doesn't hold it that way as often. Um, instead, his tail kind of wags like a dog's, and, you know, back and forth, but at a, a kind of lower level. Um, 
but he his spine doesn't seem to bother him at all. His uh, his vet checks it every time she sees him for anything. Um, she's always palpating around the area and stuff, and he doesn't seem to have any pain. And uh, the only issue that I've ever seen regarding his tail is um, sometimes I think he gets phantom feelings in it because he'll turn around and just bite at it, like kind of chew on it a bit, but not to the point where he causes any injury to himself. It's just, it's almost like it, he feels like an itch or a tickle or something. He turns around and like goes after it for a second and then he's fine. So Linus had a pretty rough start in life, but it seems <laughs> like he's pretty well adapted to it. And you mentioned cat exploring. What kind of cat exploring do you and Linus do? Oh, we, anything I can think of. <laughs> I I really enjoy, he's the first cat explorer I've had. Um, I always have kept my cats indoors because there's too many risks out there. There's wildlife and big birds and, you know, nasty people and cars and, and all of that kind of stuff. So I um, have always kept them in and I've never had any issues with any of them wanting to get out um, over all the years that I've had cats. But for him, I had this idea right from the beginning that he would make a good therapy cat um, just because he was so outgoing and so friendly. And I thought uh, we have programs here that you can take your cats or dogs, any animals, really. You can take them to nursing homes, um, children's hospitals, those kind of places and visit uh, just to help make people feel better. We even have one at the airport, although I don't think it's happening right now. Um, but where they take, I think right now it's just dogs, but they take them there for stress travelers. So people can pet the dogs and, you know, feel better. And so I pictured him as being this really great candidate to be a therapy cat. Um, and so they can't test to be a therapy cat until they're two years old here. And so that's quite a bit of time. And I thought, well, in that time, I should work on the skills that he needs to be able to do this comfortably because it involves traveling and going into strange places and meeting new people and being around other animals and all of those things. So we started just basic training. Like the first thing I thought was, okay, I need to get him used to wearing a harness and go outside because he's going to need to go to hospitals or, or whatever and, and be comfortable in new places. Um, and then when I started the harness training, he took to it. Like he was just so happy to go outside and go exploring and go for walks. And, and uh, like he's met dogs out on his adventures and he's more than happy to go up to them and say hi, as long as they're not too crazy. And, uh, you know, he's, he just really enjoys all of it. So we, we mostly, most of the time we're just walking around our neighborhood exploring. Um, I'm in Calgary, Canada, and we have quite a few nice parks here, very sort of like wilderness type parks. And so we can go there and we can go on little hikes, we can explore, we can do all kinds of stuff without actually leaving our city. Um, and then we also like to get out to the mountains and go on walks in the mountains. We've gone on road trips across the country. We've gone camping. We, yeah, kind of, we visit shops, pet stores and and things like that. I keep wanting to take him to a patio. Um, I just think it'd be fun to take him out to a a patio at a pub and have a beer with my cat, but I haven't gotten around to doing that one yet. And we are recording this in the middle of COVID, so you might have to wait for a while there. I know. <laughs> so how old is Linus now? He's about one and a half. Okay, so you still got like six months to go before you can see whether he's um, suited to be a therapy cat. 
Yeah, and I may end up having to wait a little bit longer. Uh, right now, they're not doing the visits because of COVID. And also, I've noticed that um, while Linus is still very happy to go exploring outside, he has regressed a little bit with uh, exploring inside. So um, when I've taken him into, as we started to open up here from our COVID lockdown, um, I started taking him into a few stores, like pet stores and things like that. And I noticed that he was very shy. And I'm assuming that that has something to do with the fact that for whatever, three and a half months or so, we couldn't go anywhere aside from just wandering around the neighborhood and he hadn't gone into any places. So we've been gradually going back to places, starting with places that he was comfortable in before, and then we'll start adding some new ones in. Um, I think it was just bad timing. It's a kind of a critical time in, in his development, right? He's basically a teenager and for him to be cooped up and not able to continue his socialization. I think it just set him back a bit, but he's coming around quite quickly. So I think he'll be fine. I just think we may have to give him a little more time for the therapy cat. And honestly, if, if it turns out that he's not, he doesn't end up making it as a therapy cat, that's okay. Cause now he's an adventure cat and I'm perfectly happy either way. <laughs> that makes sense. And I think your experience with, perhaps him taking the regression with the socialization. I think that's something that we're all dealing with right now. So for example, yeah. Lumos and Noxie, like they see people and they freak out now, whereas they used to be a lot more comfortable with them. So I think it's just for a lot of us, we're going to have to take a few steps back and start from those places where our cats were comfortable. Like we've been thinking we'll have to start from a quiet cafe again and then so introduce them to a bit more, places with more people and I've even noticed that when people come over to our house as well or if someone knocks on the door they'll freak out a little bit as well so I think everyone's dealing with that regression of socialization and it's frustrating but then we also it, it is what it is and we just need to take yeah. a step back and keep going really just keep swimming <laughs> yeah well you know it makes me it makes me worry a little bit I don't know if you've had it there but here we've had um, quite the upswing in people adopting animals during COVID, uh, especially puppies. And it, I mean, it may be kittens as well, but the puppies are the, I mean, dogs always steal the spotlight, right? So um, <laughs> that's what everybody's talking about is that they want to get COVID puppies and, and cause they're home. And it makes sense in some ways that you'd be wanting to do it when you have lots of time to spend with the puppy. But the problem is socialization is hard when you can't go anywhere. And, um, obviously that applies more to dogs generally, but for anybody who does want to have their cat, like if they got a COVID kitten, um, it's pretty hard, I think, to teach them about going places when you can't go places and you can't see anyone. And even those of us who started out doing the, uh, the exploring and the, the socializing, it's so quickly that you can go backwards when you can't do it for a while. So yeah, it's... I, you know, I think we're all dealing with it. And I'm sure people with human children are probably dealing with it as well. It's probably a bit challenging when your kids don't get to play with other kids. And then all of a sudden they probably are shy or, you know, they, they just don't, they're not as social as they used to be. Oh, they don't recognize what to do in new places as well. We've got quite a few friends who've had children recently that have had that problem as well. And I think if we flip it on the other side, there's also the challenge of those, for those people who've adopted pets during this time how do their pets 
adapt to them spending more time away from them outside the home as well. It's that how do we train our cat or our dog or our bunny or whatever you ended up adopting during that time is it's adjusting to all those new different changes and things like that. But what we always say is just start small if you're if you have adopted a cat during this time because I know a lot of people in our community have done that they've adopted a cat or they've adopted a dog um it just starts more so maybe leave your house for 15 minutes and then the next time leave for 30 minutes and so so on um in a previous episode we were talking to I think um Dr. Mikel Delgado and she mentioned don't make a big deal about when you leave the house and when you come back, like make it seem like it's a normal thing and that might help with the separation anxiety as well. So yeah, we will all get there. It's just adapting to the new normal. Well, and and I consider myself kind of lucky that way because we did have a lockdown here, but um, both mine and my husband's careers are considered essential. Uh, So we've both been working. Um, we've both occasionally had to stay home for a while if we had what potentially could have been COVID symptoms. So we'd stay home for a week or something while we got tested and, and made sure we were okay. But uh, we haven't had to spend a large amounts of time at home and then teach our pets again about being without us. So we, yeah, we're kind of lucky that way, I guess. So now I just want to move on to Linus and agility because that's one thing that we love about him. <laughs> for those who not might not be aware Do you mind explaining what agility training is? Yeah. um, So I've done agility for years with my dogs, only for fun. I've never done it competitively. Um, I just think it's a great way to to bond and spend time together, and it's just so much fun. Um, Agility is basically obstacle courses for, well, dogs, but now people are doing it with all sorts of animals. Um, I actually... One of my, well, the the friend, my friend who is my agility trainer, um, whose facilities we use with the dogs and with Linus, she also has uh, horses, including mini, miniature horses. Um, and she has a miniature donkey and, you know, she's got quite the menagerie because she lives in the country. And she, <laughs> she has been um, involved with this organization that uh, does agility for all kind of all animals and it's I, I don't know if it's just a COVID thing but it's it's online you do it by sending in videos and they set up a course each month and you compete like you do the course and if you complete it you get uh, a ribbon or whatever sent in the mail to you and it's really interesting because she shared it with me a few times and these people are doing it with their their ponies or their horses or their cats or their dogs there's one person who did it with a snail like it's just it's kind of amazing <laughs> And um, anyway, so she, because I've done agility with my dogs with her many times, um, I had a pretty good idea what it was about. It's a lot of it is learning to work together kind of as partners because you have to communicate. You have to let your your pet know where you need them to go, what you need them to do, um, and they have to pay attention to you. Um, it's all very positive. Uh, I don't believe there are any people who train agility using punishment. Um, I would hope not, but for us, it definitely is very positive. We use clicker training and we use rewards and treats and, and to some extent, the agility itself is the reward because it is so much fun. Um, And so we were talking about it one day and I had mentioned to her, she does, she mainly does it with her dogs. She, she uh, competes with them 
And But I know she's done it for fun with her cats as well. And she fosters kittens for the Humane Society. And she's taken her kittens out there and done agility with them, which makes for some cute pictures for adopting and and that sort of thing. And, and I mentioned it and she said that we should do a lesson with Linus. Uh, so we decided to give that a try. And we went out there and he just took to it right away. He very much enjoyed it. Um, he's not... If anybody has seen Agility before, usually what you will see is the super competitive, usually a border collie who is like so fast you can barely see them. They're just a blur going around the course and they're, you know, just crazy excited. Um, and those are the superstars, superstars of Agility. Linus is not nearly that fast. <laughs> He's He goes at his own speed, uh, but he loves it. And he is more than happy to do it for the entire lesson and he doesn't generally get tired. Um, I actually, because of COVID, I have custom, I ordered a custom set of jumps and things for him um, that are more cat sized and I can use them in the house or, you know, in our back deck or something like that, just so we can keep our practice up. Um, But it's, yeah, I've seen people doing it with rabbits and, and um, like I said, horses, dogs, cats, it's it's very I don't know it's fun and it gets you thinking and it gets them thinking and it really helps to build that bond because you have to communicate and work together. So what kind of agility does Linus do? Um, so we started with indoor agility and she has an indoor training ring, um, and so we just set up first we just set up a few little things we set up a few very sh- uh, short jumps and um, I forget I think we had a tunnel the first time. And then we moved on. Um, so the there's all sorts of different obstacles that you can use. There's the obviously the jumps and the tunnels. And then there's um, what we call a catwalk and most people call a dog walk, which is kind of like an elevated um, balance beam sort of thing. And it can be quite high. Um, there's a teeter, which is they walk up one end and then it kind of like does like a seesaw and goes down and they have to go down on the other end. Um there's weave poles, which is a set of poles that stick straight up and they have to um, weave back and forth between them. And um, yeah, so that there's the A-frame, which is just basically like an inverted V, um, kind of a high, a very high um, thing that they have to walk up one side and down the other side. And so he he has really enjoyed all of them. The only thing we haven't done with him is the uh, the teeter. I don't, I actually don't remember why we haven't done that. But um, I really don't see him having any issues with it. He, his favorite, I think, is the tunnel. If he ever does get tired or if he just wants to mess with us a little bit, he goes and sits in the tunnel because he knows we can't reach him in there. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been a few times where we've kind of had to take a little break because Linus was sitting in the tunnel. And he wouldn't come out. <laughs> but he always does come back because he enjoys it. Um, and the, I think the jumps are probably his favorite to actually do he really likes the jumps how do you train him like how do you get started with all this um so the first thing the thing that i trained him like when i started his training the very first thing that i taught him was to target a stick so i have this little extendable um metal uh, like a rod kind of thing with a little ball on the end and i use clicker training which is where you use a click or any other sound, it doesn't have to be a click, but that's what I use uh, to mark. It's kind of like taking a photo. When I describe it to people, I always say, 
you want to think of it like a photo. You want to take a picture of the exact moment the animal does what you want it to do. And that's when you click because that's when you're telling them, yes, that's exactly what I want. Um, it's so I, I taught him to target first because that's a pretty easy one for cats. If you hold out some sort of like a stick or something with a cat, they're going to try to touch it um, with their paw or their nose or, the, or they'll bite it or whatever. Um, and it was just a good place to start. And so I started with the target and he took to that right away. Um, and that ended up being extremely helpful with agility because it, it made it really easy to get him to do things because you don't want to be pushing him into things or, or sort of physically manipulating them around. Um, it's much better if you can, you know, if I hold the target on one side of the jump and he jumps across so he can touch the target with his nose and then he gets his click and his treat. So it seems like clicker training is a big part of uh, teaching Linus how to undertake the agility because like you mentioned, the steps are you get them to do the behavior you want with the target stick as the guide. You then click when they do the action as a positive reinforcement. So with the treat as the positive following up with the click, follow up with the treat as a positive reinforcement to show them and tell them that they've done what you expected of them. And so I assume that you use that sort of um, approach to get him to learn new tricks as well through the agility course, like doing the teeter-totter, for example. Is that how you would approach it and get him to understand that's what you expect of him? Yes. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, um, you know, there are times when I don't use the click. I don't always use the clicker because especially with agility, it can be kind of fast paced and um, complex. And so I don't always have a free hand to use the clicker. Uh, so I've also taught Linus to use the word yes instead of the click. It's not quite as precise as the click is, but it's it works. And it's nice because then if we're out on a walk and he does something um, that I like, I can also use yes with, without having to dig a clicker out of my pocket. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a lot of, uh, baby steps. That's a big part of it. Not every cat is ready to do an entire obstacle on their own. So for the teeter, for example, uh, you may not want to start by having your cat go up and over and all the way to the other end in one in one action. If your cat's really brave or is really having fun, they may do that. But a lot of cats would require you to break it down a little bit into smaller steps. So you might want to first reward them for stepping onto it um, and then maybe reward them for going part of the way along without jumping off. And then, of course, the big part, the tricky part for most cats uh, or dogs for that obstacle is when it starts to move and flip over. Um, but if you've if you've done enough baby steps, they should be confident enough to hold on. And you can usually slow that down using your hands um, to slow the the teeter from, you know, so it doesn't go banging down on the other side. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I, I think baby steps is probably the biggest factor in it with all of the obstacles. Uh, you can't just expect that they're going to do everything straight through. Sometimes you need to make it smaller um, or, or just reward them partway through just to let them know they're on the right track, that kind of thing. And I find that's the same with other training as well. When I'm teaching Linus a new trick or, um, you know, anything like that, it's, it's helpful to, to let him know he's on the right track, even if he hasn't completely finished the, uh, the thing that he was doing. Yeah, that makes sense. And breaking it down as well. And, mm -hmm. um, 
because we've had situations where we've been doing clicker training and we haven't been able to hold the clicker because for various reasons you're using your hand and stuff. So I picked this up from Julie from Cat School. She actually clicks with her mouth. Oh, yeah. So she does like a – except that probably doesn't sound quite right, but she does it really well. So we've been practicing that as well. That's a good idea. Another point I wanted to mention was the type of treat does matter. So sometimes, you know, your cat won't take to a particular uh, agility or clicker training uh, exercise because your treat isn't motivating enough for them. So mm-hmm. the treat is the motivator to some extent. And I find with our two cats, Lumos and Oxy, like I've got to use the right type of treat to be able to motivate them to want to do it because we've tried before with what we call low value treats, which they just won't get up for. They won't, they're gonna, it's like they won't get out of bed for that. Yeah. But you use the high value treats, they'll get out of bed for it. So it's about finding the right motivators as well. Absolutely. And every, every animal has their own idea of what is motivating. Um, you know, what motivates, one cat, another cat might just kind of go, you know, yuck. <laughs> For Linus, it's definitely those little, uh, the churu treats, the the ones that are like a puree, almost like a gravy in a tube. He adores those things and he will do anything for it. Um, our thing that we've been working on during COVID with him, uh, because I had kind of not, I hadn't thought about it before. And it's such an important skill is we've been working on his recall. And so I take him out in the backyard. Our backyard has a nice high fence, so he doesn't have to be on a leash when he's in the backyard. And um, and I can just kind of let him explore a little bit and wander around, chase bugs or whatever. And then when he's, every so often, I just call him and get him to come running over to me and I give him some of that. And he will stop anything if he knows that I have those. He loves those treats. And it's such an important skill. And so I'm glad that we've had the time to practice it. Yeah, recall is so important. I have a totally selfish question to ask. Yeah. Because something that you were um but you were speaking about it, Daniel and I kind of looked at each other was the tunnel. Because <laughs> we we do a little bit like not to your extent, but we've been trying to do a bit of agility with Lumos at home and it never occurred to us to use the tunnel as a part <laughs> of the agility. But what I can't get my head around is how do you use the target stick within the tunnel to get Linus to run through the tunnel given that you probably because I'm if if I'm imagining the tunnel it's probably too small for you to be able to get in there to pull him yeah. to get him through so how do you get him through the tunnel um so agility tunnels are a little bit different than regular cat tunnels um you can make them longer or you can kind of scrunch them up to be shorter and so when we first start teaching an animal to use the tunnel it's basically scrunched up as small as it can be so it's only maybe um, two feet long because they're like an accordion almost right like you can kind of squish them up and so at first you could easily and he uses dog equipment at the trainers uh, because that's what she has and so technically if I wanted I could actually go in the tunnel because it's big enough for a large dog to run through um, but I haven't had to so we started with the tunnel very short and very small and so he would go in but it was pretty easy to reach through the other end and use the target stick and and sort of get him to follow it out Um, and then as you get it longer you want to do that gradually so that they don't you know get lost in the tunnel or (laughs) have a hard time going through Um, like I said there have been times where he's decided he's going to sit in the tunnel and and kind of 
go, ha ha, you guys can't get me. Um, but he always comes out because he knows he doesn't get to do agility if he's just sitting in the tunnel. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, if you have a tunnel that you can't make shorter and you're having a hard time, um, one of the things that we do when we're first teaching them, and one of the reasons why it's nice to work with my trainer friend is that it's really handy to have two people. So she could hold him at one end of the tunnel and I can go to the other end and call him through, uh, as opposed to trying to do it all on your own and trying to figure out how to get him to go through. Um, you can try by making a little trail of treats going through the tunnel. So they have to, you know, walk through to pick them all up. Um, with Linus, we do, when I'm using the soft, the churu treats, we, we use a little dish and that's his target. Well, that's confusing. I guess I shouldn't call it that. Um, it's, it's how he gets his treats. So he doesn't lick it directly from the tube when we're training. We put a little bit in the dish. And so he knows if that dish is down at the end, that that's his, that's where he needs to go to get the treat. And so that helps as well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So you mentioned a few times that you train agility at a certain location. How did you find that place? And do you find, because Linus is a cat, do you find that you have to get special permission or find special locations? Um, okay, so the place that I take him, the owner of it is actually a friend of mine. Um, for several years, I, I'm i also certified as a dog trainer. And so for several years, I taught classes at one of our local training facilities. Um, mostly I taught puppy classes and basic obedience classes. But I, uh, I got to know her through that because she was also teaching classes there. And she her passion is agility. It always has been. She competes with her own dogs and, and she does it, like I said, with her horses and her cats and <laughs> everything. Um, and so when I decided I wanted to do agility with my own dogs, it was just natural for me to go to her, um, to work with them. And so I have several years of, you know, relationship with her working, working with the dogs and, and, um, and so then when it came time to teach Linus and, and knowing that she's, She's a cat lover at heart. I think when she goes on vacation, she she takes pictures of every cat she sees wherever she happens to be. And, <laughs> you know, she just adores cats. And so it just made sense to take him there because I knew she understood how cats think. She's not going to try to treat him like a dog. Um, and, you know, it's just fun to work with another cat lover. And so in the meantime, though, uh, there have been a couple of times where I've wanted to maybe take him someplace else to do it. We have several facilities in Calgary that, that do dog agility. And um, so one of them I was looking into, uh, there was a photographer who wanted to take some pictures of Linus while he was doing agility. And it was winter. Um, the, the indoor facility that my friend has is not particularly well lit. Like it's not dark. You can, you can see just fine to work in there, but it's not great for photos. And um, so I was looking into a different one. There's a, another facility that's right in the city that is very attractive. It's, you know, got this beautiful blue floor and white walls and, and it's very, um, it would make great pictures. And so I was looking into doing that. Um, and so I called them and they were a little taken aback when I mentioned that I was thinking of renting their space to use for a cat. 
<laughs> and I just wanted to make sure because if it's if it's usually used for dogs, I thought it could end up being very distracting for the dogs if they come in and it smells like a cat. Um, but they were fine. They actually found it kind of amusing and and they were <laughs> the idea was entertaining for them. <laughs> um, but I would always ask if you're planning to use a dog facility for a cat uh, because not not everybody would be comfortable with the idea. But I think that also highlights it. If you know a dog facility, if you ask the question, they might say yes. So it's a yeah. good, good reason to ask. Um, I just had a thought. Um, we've spoken to a few cat behaviorists who work at um, universities and they talk about their kid and socializing classes and stuff like that. Maybe they have options where you can do cat agility there as well. So you might as well just ask the question and see if there's somewhere in your local area like that that you can go. We've got an amazing dog park around the corner from our house, which has this amazing agility set up. And I just wish that we could take Lumos and Noxy there, but they have it's a dog park and I know that I just can't do that. So um, it, I think it's just keeping your eyes out and seeing, maybe just doing some Googling as well, see what's available yep. in your local area. Look at whether there's like dog obedience classes and they might have access to equipment as well. And one thing you also mentioned was that you've actually purchased some equipment to use at home. So how did you yeah. find that equipment and what kind of equipment did you purchase? Um, so a lot of people will make their own agility equipment. Um, but, and I thought about that, but like I said, throughout our COVID shutdown, I was still working. So I haven't really had much in the way of spare time. Um, and I thought I'd rather support someone who's doing who, who does this and knows that, like, I know that they're going to do a good job rather than spend a bunch of time trying to do it myself and have it not turn out. And um, so I talked to my agility friend and she told me about this, this person that um, she's also located in Canada and she, she makes, she's made quite a bit of her own equipment. Um, so I've seen her, her jumps and things. I know how they're put together and, um, and her prices were relatively good. And so I thought, well, this is perfect. I can, <laughs> I can just order it from her. And so um, I ordered several jumps, different types of jumps. And um, I didn't get any of the big things like the teeter or any of that kind of stuff. I just wanted some little stuff to play with at home. So I've got the jumps and then I've got the, uh, there's a, what we call a tire jump, which is basically like a hoop on a frame that they jump through. And um, so those will be fun to I think to work with and sort of practice with and keep him going. And then some of the other stuff, I mean, really any of this stuff, you can put it together yourself, especially for a cat. Uh, you do need it to be sturdier when you're working with dogs, but with cats, I mean, you can make a jump out of, um, like I've seen people make jumps out of toilet paper <laughs> because so many people were hoarding toilet paper right now. <laughs> and um, you can buy agility, like sort of starter agility sets, which are not terribly sturdy, but would work just fine for a cat on places like Amazon. Um, a lot of pet stores can order them in for you. Um, most people, if they make their own like agility equipment for dogs and would work just fine for cats, they'll use PVC piping because like what plumbers use, because you can get the joints for it and stuff. So you can kind of put it together in a way that actually is sturdy and works well. And then you can also take it apart and store it as just a bunch of pipes. So it's not going to take up a lot of space in your, in your home. Um, I've seen people use uh, tension curtain rods in their hallways to make jumps. So they can just set up a bunch of jumps down their hallway. Um, obviously tunnels for cats are easy to find. Most people who have a cat have at least one tunnel in their house. <laughs> and, uh, 
And then the only one that's a little more tricky, I think, is building the the larger equipment. So if you wanted to do, say, an A-frame, I'm not quite sure. I've been trying to figure out how I could set something like that up for Linus in the house. Um, maybe put a couple of boards over the couch. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, we can like we can really do a lot. If you think about it, it's just an obstacle course. And so it doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be official. It can be whatever you happen to have. And you can just make some fun things for them to go over or under or through. You're completely right. Because that's what exactly what we do with Lumos. So our setup, because we live in a two-bedroom apartment, is quite simple. And it's we do it in a way that we can break it down after each session to pack away. And all it is is a couple of boxes with a yoga mat that's rolled up over the top of it to do overs and unders. And then we use our cha- dining room chairs for them to jump across and onto and off. I use my own two arms for him to jump across. I use my own legs for him to jump across. I use my legs for him to weave through. I use my arms for him to jump through as a hoop. Mm-hmm. And all these things are pretty simple. And at the end of the day, we it's just boxes and yoga mats and chairs and then pack it away and then you know, yep. just pull it out the next session. And um, I suppose because I've, I've been looking at baby stuff lately and there are actually, like when you were just mentioning, um, sorry, like A-frames. The, the A-frames, they actually sell those so that kids can learn their motor skills as well. And then there's another one which is um, like it's a tilty thing. So it, I'm explaining this really badly, but it's like a tilt, <laughs> wooden tilty thing that helps them develop their balance. There's another one that's like a balance beam and there are all things that you can just set up in your house. Depends on your budget but perhaps those are options that you can look at. So just think outside the box and look at toddler motor skills. And there's like, I've been quite surprised. There's about 20 supplies in Australia. So I imagine there's heaps more in America and around the world as well that you can reach out to. And you can use those for cat things as well. It's just thinking outside the box a little bit, I suppose. Well, and speaking of boxes, (laughs) really, I mean, with, with the pandemic, most of us, I think, have been ordering a lot of things online. And so we all end up with lots of boxes and you can make almost anything out of a box, right? Like you can make things for them to walk over and under and crawl through and and uh, you can make jumps, you can make, you know, balance beams, you can do all kinds of things with the boxes that you just have kicking around your house. So, And you can do it accidentally. We ended up getting like a matte rug kind of thing that we'd purchase. It came in a long cylindrical box and I just like happened to just put it on the side. It was leaning on a side and then it's become Lumos and Noxie's favorite slide thing to <laughs> use. And it's been great for their balance. Like they've really enjoyed using it going up and down now to the point that we're like, okay, well now we can't throw this box out. <laughs> but there are like, it's just looking at what you've got available for you and doing what you can with it. And the idea here is that it's just new stimulus. So because mm-hmm. we have nothing like it in our apartment at the moment where most of the stuff, like a tunnel, is horizontal or, you know, you have stuff to weave over and tables to jump on and so forth. But this is at an angle, so it's a different experience for them. And then and so then we also throw toys down there, so then they have to go and get it and retrieve it. So that's been quite fun for them, and it's just something different as a new stimulus. I would guess that they'll probably get bored of it in some point in time, but if we change it up again, it will be a brand new toy that they will love again. Now, you mentioned distractions with agility and how if you go to a dog facility, they may get distracted or the dogs may get distracted. 
Now, does Linus get distracted when he does agility? And if so, <laughs> what happens and how do you keep him from getting distracted? Uh, yeah. Okay. So um, Linus is a teenager cat. And so therefore he gets distracted by almost everything. And so even when we're doing the indoor in the indoor arena for agility, um, it's that indoor arena is actually an indoor horse arena. That's what originally it was. So it has a sand floor um, and it's quite large and he does really well in that space. At first I thought he would be overwhelmed because he's a very small cat and it's a large space and it's, it, you know, it's kind of like this big cavernous place with this, you know, floor that probably smells like horses and dogs and, um, and other cats. And so I thought it was going to be a lot harder and it definitely, he has his moments for sure where he'll be in the middle of training and he'll just kind of go, Oh, and he goes over to, you know, one of the walls and checks out something like a bug or, or just a smell that he wants to follow. Um, one of the things that the arena has that, that has been a constant source of distraction is it has in a couple of places on the wall, it has mirrors. I believe those mirrors are there for um, horse people to be able to check their form as they're riding around. Uh, but it is a huge distraction when he looks up and sees this other cat in the mirror that just happens to be him. Um, so we've really worked on that. I Distractions, they can be frustrating, but they're also in a way they're kind of good because it's, it's a good chance to, to work on, you know, making him so that the distractions aren't so distracting. Uh, and then last summer, after we had done several sessions indoors with him, um, she also has an outdoor arena, which is very beautiful. It's in the middle of this beautiful meadow with big trees and shade and, and, uh, it's a really nice place to work. Um, but oh, the distractions <laughs> when you're outside because there's it's in the country, so there's birds. She's got horses out there, he can see the horses from the arena. Um, there's some of the other cats, like she does have um, her cats go outdoors because she lives in the country, so sometimes he'll see a cat or one of her dogs will bark, or there's just so much, especially the birds though, and the squirrels, and so. There have been times where we've had to end a session. There was one time he saw a squirrel came down onto the edge of the fence uh, that's around the agility area. And that was it. We, we weren't getting his attention back. We just, we kind of ended it there. And um, even still, he watches that corner now every time we go there and we call it squirrel corner. <laughs> and so sometimes if he's really watching it and he's really distracted, we will use that distraction as his reward. So um instead of trying to use a food reward and keep his attention on us, we will get him to do something. So say we'll get him to do, you know, three jumps and then he can go check out squirrel corner and that's his reward. So sometimes you can use the distractions as a reward, obviously not always, it's not always safe or practical, uh, but because we're just doing this for fun, you know, we don't mind, we don't have to, it doesn't have to all be um, too strict or too regimented, but uh yeah, those distractions, they can be tricky. Um, but, you know, he's I, f I feel like most of the time when he's decided he's not going to do something that we want him to do, it's not really because of a distraction. It's more just because he's gotten tired of it or bored. And then we we have to figure out a way to make it interesting again or, you know, motivate him to do it again. So, yeah, and, and I'm looking forward to trying it at home with our new equipment that we're getting because... Home is another 
you know, a whole different set of distractions, right? You make a good point about how if he's distracted and he's just not focused that you say that's the end of the session sometimes because I I find that that's the same with Lumos that sometimes you just lose their attention. You just can't capture it. They're just not, you know, really getting into the groove of things and they're distracted and then that's yep. it. That's and, and I think that's important to just remember that it's, you know, it's, if yeah, you, you're just doing it for fun and you're trying to just improve their their um, abilities and give them something entertaining, if they're not into it that particular time, that's fine because it's just about tailoring it to your cat and what makes them happy. And if at that point in time they're not into it, that's not it. They're not into it. Because you will also have those sessions where they're really into it. Like mm-hmm. you just feel like they're on point, they're going really hard and they're doing everything like you, you expect of them and more. So just you just got to keep that in mind and tailor it to suit. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, it, it reminds me what you just said there. It reminded me of something that I remember hearing Jackson Galaxy say, and that was with regards to cat explorers. And he, he said, not every cat is, it has the right personality or the right motivation to be a cat explorer. And so you don't want to force them to do it either. You know, if we have a, uh, if someone has a cat and they want to try um, doing something specific with them, whether it's agility or um, going for a walk or going for a hike or going camping or whatever, um, they're not always going to love everything we try to do with them. And so sometimes you can work through that a little bit and you can actually teach them that it's a good thing and it's fun and they they will learn to love it. But sometimes you just have to kind of expect that your cat doesn't have that motivation or that the personality for something. And, um, you know, we, it, it's not necessarily a failure. If you have a cat that doesn't, you try agility, they don't like agility, that's fine. They might love going wandering around the neighborhood with you, you know, or they might love playing in the backyard or laying in the sun with you while you read a book or like, there's so many different things that we can do with them and we don't have to um, push them into doing things that they're not comfortable or they don't enjoy. And that same thing, even if it's something your cat normally likes and they're just having a day when they don't want to. I mean, we've all had those days, <laughs> you know, even our favorite things, like I personally love board games, but you know, there are days when I just can't focus on a board game and you know, whether it's because I'm tired or I'm distracted or whatever. And if I try to make myself do it, it's just not very fun. And I think about it the same way with, with uh, with Linus, if he's having a day where he's not enjoying the things we're trying to do, well, maybe it's best that we just do something else, right? That's uh, well said. Now, Tamara, we're coming up towards the end of the podcast, but before we let you go, we're going to jump into our final four questions that we ask all our guests. Now, with the first one being, what is one piece of advice you would give to new cat explorers? Um, I kind of actually think I just sort of touched on that a little bit and that's that you know make sure you're having fun stay tuned with your cat and um, make sure that they are enjoying what you're doing and that they're not being pushed into things where they're uncomfortable or scared Um, and just yeah make it fun because that's really what it all comes down to it's not fun if it's not fun for everybody including the cat yes definitely what's been the most entertaining comment someone has said to you while you've been out and about with Linus (laughs) ah that would be a tie I think the one that always makes me laugh is the one that everybody hears all the time where people are like oh my gosh is that a cat 
Or, hey, honey, look, it's a cat. That one always kills me and it makes me laugh. It's so funny. But the one, probably the one that makes me the happiest and makes me, like, entertains me the most is when people go, is that Linus with the short tail? Because he's a little bit famous. Um, you know, not on the not on the same scale as some of the really famous cats, but uh, locally he kind of is. And, and it's kind of surprising how often I've had people come up to me and, and recognize him. And to me, that just gets me every time. It's It makes me feel like, you know, I'm the mom of a celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So which cat explorers inspire you? Ah, that one. That's, oh, there's so many. There's so many. And I think, you know, I think I'd like to probably mention the local ones because where I live, we are in uh, Western Canada. We're right by the Rocky Mountains. And so people here tend to have more of an outdoor lifestyle. Um, You know, we're only about an hour and a half away from the mountains. So it's pretty common that people in Calgary will head to the mountains to go camping or for a weekend or just to go for even to go for lunch and just have that nice view. Right. And so we tend to have some pretty outdoorsy people here and uh, I always like to promote the local Canadian cats anyway. Um, so, I mean, the real famous one in our area is Suki cat. Suki is stunningly gorgeous and goes on so many amazing adventures. Um, but, you know, we've also got, we've got theoretically Teddy. He's wonderful. Uh, Roxy, Roxy, the kitty. She's, um, She's just, she's local and she's just such a, an inspiration. She's done a lot to try to encourage cat explorers in my area. Um, she's actually how I found you guys, well, was through the, the cat meetup last year in Kananaskis. Um, we've got Gary, great gams, great grams of Gary. <laughs> He's most famous for his goggles. <laughs> and um, Mike and Lily, Adventures of Mike and Lily, which I guess now is Mike and Betty. Um they're also just, they're so much fun to watch their adventures. Um, one that most people probably don't know yet is Itty Bitty Little Gritty. And he's local to me. He's uh, he's a young cat and he's just learning about exploring. So he's he's not done as much, but I'm just enjoying watching, his, watching him learn, watching him get better and more brave and more excited about the things he's doing. Um, the same with Gizmo Whiskers. Gizmo Whiskers is also in Calgary and um, kind of a starting out adventure cat. Uh, and then Bodhi. Everybody knows Bodhi, the adventure cat in our area. <laughs> He's uh, a beautiful big Maine Coon and he goes biking with his mom and, and that kind of thing. He lives out in the mountains in Canmore and he's just fantastic. So um, it's actually funny how often I've been talking to somebody uh, who maybe stops me when I'm out with Linus or whatever and um uh, or they mention that they're going to Canmore for something. And I say, oh, keep your eyes open for Bodhi. And they'll say, who's Bodhi? And I say, oh, he's this beautiful big silver mane coon uh, that goes biking and, and kayaking and whatnot with his with his mom. And and pe- so many people have said, oh, I've seen him before. <laughs> I didn't know that was his name, but I've seen him. <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of cool. We've got a pretty neat community. And it's we all sort of kind of know each other, which is neat. Yeah, and I think um, you've mentioned most of those cats have actually been on the podcast. So yeah. <laughs> what I might do is um, in the show notes, I'll include links to all their episodes so that everyone can find them. 
Final question. What product, yeah. service, or program has been a game changer for Linus? Um, as far as products go, it's actually one that I've heard about from you, and that's the SuperKit harness. I put off getting one of those for quite a while because they're pricey and they have to come from so far away. Um, it's just not convenient. You can't go to a store and just pick one up. But I finally, I just couldn't find a harness that I was really happy with. I tried so many different ones and, um, you know, there was a couple that I thought were pretty good, but they weren't great. And it definitely doesn't help that Linus is a little bit oddly shaped. He's kind of a short, stubby little guy. So he's got short legs and a short neck. Um, and so he, they don't always fit him the same as they do other cats. And so I was struggling a bit with that. And uh, finally, I, I kind of broke down and said, okay, I'm going to buy a super cat harness and see, because I keep hearing such great things about them um, and how adjustable they are so they can be made to fit any shape of cat. <laughs> and so I did, I ordered him a really nice one. It's uh, made of cork and it's just so flexible and soft and he really likes it and it's so comfortable um, and I could fit it to him perfectly. So I don't worry anymore. Um, one of the problems he had was that the ones that went over the head, they were a bit too loose once they had gone over his head. And so he would end up getting his front legs stuck in them if he laid down. And then he'd try to get up and his legs were stuck. And then he'd kind of panic because he was stuck. <laughs> and so we haven't had any issues with that harness. And it it feels more secure too because of the buckle and then the two uh, the two rings that you attach the leash to. Other than that, just agility. As far as services go, agility has been a big thing for him. So, Tamara, we've learnt so much about cat agility and Linus and cat exploring and everything today. Thank you so much for joining us. Where can we find you and Linus online? Um, so Linus has his social media is um, at Linus with the short tail. And, yeah, it's the same pretty much across all of them. Um, I think his Twitter I think that was too long for Twitter. So I think on Twitter, he might be at Linus Shorttail. Um, but either way, if you type Linus in Shorttail, you'll find him. <laughs> He's the only one. <laughs> and did you want to mention your um, intro to cat agility workshop as well? Oh, yeah. So um, my friend and I... Uh, we had had so much interest in Linus's agility. He's kind of, that's what he's most known for around here is, oh, you're the cat that does agility. <laughs> and we were having so much fun with it. And we um, we had decided that we wanted to try to put together something. Um, I started a local uh, sort of a adventure exploring with your cat group kind of thing. Um, just so that people could maybe share ideas of good places to take your cat that's local or... Um, that kind of stuff. It's just on Facebook. It's just a little thing, but we were enjoying seeing how much interest there was. And so we decided to put together an intro to cat agility uh, little workshop. Um, and what we did is my friend, like I told you, she's a big fosterer for rescues and um, she's a huge supporter of rescue. So she said she would donate her time to do it. And we could just collect a donation from each person, each person that would go to the rescue. And, um, and that keeps the cost affordable and it's a, for a good cause and, and that kind of thing. So we set it up for, um, you know, just a, sort of a one, I think it was an hour, it might've been an hour and a half. It was last fall, so I don't really remember. Uh, but it was going to just be a really basic 
come try out agility with your cats, ask the questions that you might have, you know, get a feel for it and see if it's something you like, uh, which is kind of nice because not everybody wants to commit to doing a whole lot of stuff if they've never tried it before. And it's nice to be able to kind of just trial it and see if your cat is, you know, interested, if they do well in that environment, maybe they, you know, if they find it intimidating or if they find it, you know, fascinating, um, you don't know until you try. So, um, we thought it would be a good, a good opportunity. And we did, we had a, a nice little turnout, um, and the cats did really, really well. Everybody was actually really shocked at how well their cats did. People were expecting that their cats were going to want to hide and, you know, <laughs> so scared. And every cat that went to it, um, checked out the equipment. Uh, they all did far better. Like they really showed their, their people, um, that they were interested and that they were brave and, <laughs> um, they were all eating treats and we even had one of the people there was a amateur photographer. So we got some really nice pictures of the event and, and that kind of thing. And so we were planning to do it again. Um, obviously the pandemic has put that on hold, but um, it's something that I was thinking if, if anybody out there that's listening to this is interested in doing agility with their cats, you know, it might be, it might not hurt to get in touch with some of your local dog agility places because dog people are often cat people as well. <laughs> and you just don't, you never know, you might find somebody who is interested, um, who uh, would be willing to try to put on a little, like a, a trial workshop. Um, even more so if you happen to find somebody local to you who already does agility with their cat. Uh, quite often, if you find a local um, cat explorer or, you know, Instagram cat, they we'll do things like that. And, and you can kind of ask a few questions and you might find out that that person has connections with a, a dog training place that you could rent or borrow or, or whatever. And if you put it on through a, uh, through a rescue, it also adds some nice, uh, like a nice sort of charitable side to it and, and can give you some good publicity to help get some more people involved as well. But it, it is, it's kind of nice to be able to try things out without a big commitment at first. That's a great initiative and some great tips there <laughs> and how you can find some in your local area. So to clarify, the one that you put on is for the Calgary area, is that right? Yeah. yeah. And so what's the address if you wanted to find more information about that particular one? Oh, um, we just did it as a one-time thing for starters. So we didn't have, um, we didn't make any pages for it or anything like that. We just did it through that little group that I had started for local cats. Um, if it's something that we decided to continue doing, we probably would, but the first one, we just kind of wanted to see if there was any interest and see how it would go. Um, and then of course we all got stuck at home, so <laughs> we haven't done anything more. <laughs> sure. So what I'll do is, um, we'll put the links to all your socials as well as everything else we've talked about today in the show notes, which can be found in the episode description on your podcast app and the link will be there. Okay. We would love to hear your thoughts and questions about cat agility. Are you going to give it a go? Share them on social media. Tag us at catexplorer.community and Tamara and Linus at Linus with the short tail. If you love today's episode, you might love our episodes with other Canadian cats like Roxy the kitty, which was back in season one. Just scroll down on your podcasting app to episode three. Or while you're there, 
You might want to hear all about the basics of cat training and clicker training so you too can start agility with your cat. If so, scroll down to episode two with Julie from Cat School. Cat Explorer is a small one and a quarter team. If you love what we do, there are a myriad of ways that you can support us. The easiest way is to share about the Cat Explorer podcast with a friend. Or share our social media and website next time someone has a question about cat exploring. And if you're in the position to, we would love it if you could join the Cat Explorer Purse Squad. There's details on how you can do that in the episode description of your podcasting app. Thank you so much for listening today. That's it for today. Until next time, enjoy giving your kitty the world.